0: Before we get started, I wanted to remind you we're going to be embarking on our Every Film Change in the Lord of the Rings series within the next few weeks. And that means that we're going to be going over every single little thing we can find. Well, everything worth talking about in the Lord of the Rings. But we're asking for your help, and that means we're missing things. I know we are, particularly in Return of the King. So if you if you go through, watch Return of the King, and you realize, oh, this was different, go to theonering.com slash changes, check our list, and add the thing we missed right there. There's a form right there under each film. You can just click, 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 type it, go. No email required, no name required. Just type in what you got and let us know so that we can complete our film changes list. And you hear that music in the background? I want to give a little intro to Jeff Johnson, who you're going to hear in this episode. And I know that's kind of a change, speaking of film changes, change from our normal, uh, very Tolkien-based interviews and things like that. Uh, I have known about Jeff's music for about 25 years. He's been in the industry a long time, Um, but his music became the soundtrack of my college career, so to speak. I I listened to it all the time when I was writing, when I was writing papers, when I was doing homework at the library, even at the gym, things like that. Uh, I listened to it all the time because it's inspiring, it's soothing, it's contemplative, it's exciting, right? There's so much to it. Um, And I think about it in terms of what we said on Fairy Stories. Uh, but it, it's on fairy stories, right? We talk about escape, constellation, recovery, about freshness of vision, what fairy stories give us. And in one of our uh, episodes, I talked about how music does that for me. And in my head, I was specifically referring to Jeff Johnson's music, how it is a freshness of vision um, for my mind. When I, when I listen to his music, it, it refreshes me. It, it makes me see things differently. I, I, I hear the world differently. And that's sort of similar to what Tolkien does for me, but from a musical perspective, maybe it's not as encompassing as a fairy story would be. But it certainly has its value. And we talk about that here, particularly the sense of wonder that Jeff is trying to inspire within us with his music. So um, listen in. I'm also going to include a special audio rendition of a Bilbo song, The Road Goes Ever On and On, uh, at the end of our regular episode. In addition to um, a song from his recent Irelandia album, with uh, which is based on Stephen Lawhead's recent trilogy of books. I think the first one is called In the Region of the Summer Stars. In the Region of the Summer Stars is the first book. Uh, I think it's a trilogy so far. But you, with that you can see that he's inspired by Stephen Lawhead and um, the way that he weaves melodies together that are inspired by the vision of his books. It reminds me of the songs in Tolkien's world and and how you know he, he thought music was important and, and verse was important. And uh, Jeff has this kind of same Mentality when it comes to how he creates music. So I hope you enjoy this. Uh, if you're a regular listener, listen in the end. I'll put both Bilbo song and uh, a song from his recent Irelandia album. Uh, I'll link all those below too. It's called A Wonder Voyage. It's the fourth track on the album. And then at the end of for our members, which you can go to the one slash members and get that. I'll include two other songs, two of my favorites, um, both inspired by really by uh, Stephen Lawhead's work one is from his songs of albion trilogy and one has come from an album called uh celtic legends i believe or the bard and the warrior so listen to that uh first one is called the endless knot and the second is called the way of the warrior uh maybe i'll include a third one the dream of Taliesin. and that one's really good too we'll do that we'll do all three so listen in i hope you enjoy it i'm sorry for the really long intro but uh it'll be well worth it thanks before the Rings of Power, there were the Silmarils. Before Sauron, there was his master, Morgoth. Before Aragorn and Arwen, there was... Nobody expects the Torque Inquisition. Well, hey, everybody. <laughs> Thank you for joining us this week on uh, the Torque Inquisition, our detour into uh, talking to more interesting people which uh, sounds like I'm, I'm being falsely, I'm falsely denigrating myself. No, 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 everybody here that we interview is definitely more interesting than me. <laughs> so today, uh, I have the pleasure of speaking with someone I've known for 25 years because I've been listening to his music for 25 years, at least, may, maybe longer, because there have been, I'm sure, uh, I think there was a Mercedes commercial or something like that a while back that I probably heard at some point uh, in my youth. But uh, this, is, this is Jeff Johnson. Jeff Johnson is an artist, a musician who has been uh writing music uh for uh n- not as long as i've been alive which is
1: a- <laughs> nearly <laughs> but did you say you time- were born in 1975 yeah well almost uh, first
0: close. album was 1977 <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so, oh man so but but so 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 jeff has been um like here's the way that i put it jeff like for you the, the music i found in 19 i think it was 1998 which was the song of albion which was based on stephen lawhead's books uh the, the albion albion trilogy the see the, song, paradise, the song war, of
1: albion, paradise song war, yeah. of
0: albion paradise war and the endless some, endless I can't not
1: silver hand silver hand thank you silver
0: hand yeah so so it was the second book the second uh, album which, which was
1: based on the endless knot, i think
0: well, yeah. yeah which was ba- based on the endless knot, yeah. and uh that i remember listening it on a drive up to, to to northern california at the time uh and being enthralled by it and i was in college at the time i was getting an english degree and so uh i would start listening to that and i would go to the library and i'd listen to that while i was actually trying to write my own novel or do my own homework and things things like that and so it became kind of the soundtrack of my college career and i think when uh when celtic legends the bard and the warrior came out which i think you re-released recently again
1: yeah it's been out for a little while yeah Mm -hmm. okay yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: and uh that those two those albums and then i got the other albion albums and Psalmist and uh, uh uh that when this prayers of saint brendan came out all those albums uh they really sort of they formed so much of the soundtrack of my life at the time so it's it's a real big pleasure to speak to here's the uh the songs from albion 2 that's available on uh the uh band camp site jeff johnson arcmusic.bandcamp.com which i will link in the in the notes below and in the show notes um but these are definitely definitely uh worth your time to get so what we're gonna do so so this isn't like, okay. So everybody who's listening, you're like, where's Tolkien in this? Well,
1: <laughs> number one, he's back there. He's over. back there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Number one, I will, um, I will try. I'm, I'm sure if you're okay with it, Jeff, um, I will try and put this here at the end of the album as well as the, the, uh, at the end yeah. of the podcast. So that's okay. This there you is Jeff, uh, Jeff, actually eight years ago, uh, you recorded the road goes ever on and on, uh, yeah. Frodo's song as he leaves the shire, uh, uh in in the lord of the rings and you know we we heard uh, uh there's a version of it in um in peter jackson's film that yeah. uh, uh that bilbo sings but this is i, I don't know so, something about this there's a simple earnestness to it that i really love it's not quite as uh cinematic which I really love. There's, there's an earthiness, there's a hobbitiness to it that I, that I, that I really, really love. So there, there's the Tolkien connection, but here's the other connection, guys. <laughs> this is where I want to go, because we can talk, I mean, well, you know, before, so we're, we're going to talk, we just went over on Fairy Stories, which talks a whole lot about um, consolation, escape, recovery, you eucatastrophe, um, and there is there's something to your music, Jeff, that, uh, that speaks to that. In fact, I found a quote, I think in an article in Pathios from a while back, um, that says that. But before we jump into that, tell us a little bit about yourself. How you got into music? Um, I mean, it's a long. It's a, is it a long story? Can we do this in three sentences? <laughs>
1: so. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, certainly. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm just full disclosure. I'm 67 years old. So, um, I started writing music at um, a, a pretty young age, and that music was really a means of expressing myself. And really, I've never left mm. that um way of looking at music music has always been uh, the way i express myself and maybe uh shoot maybe you know a lot of people say well duh yeah isn't that why most people write music and I, not I, that's not really what i mean i what i mean is literally expressing myself dealing with the things that really um the books i've read uh, other pieces of music i've heard poetry i've read experiences of life i started trying to articulate those things musically from a very young age. And, uh, really, uh, you know, early on, uh, when I was in my early teens, um, I started working with another guy that had very similar kind of, uh, inspirations and, and he and I would write songs, um, and we would record them. We had found an old, uh, we had a, a tape machine that we could do sound on sound. And that was really the beginning of, uh, of writing music. I, and, and recording music. I grew up in a musical family, not a professional musical family. And I, I also grew up in a downtown Baptist church in Portland, Oregon, that had an incredible music program. So I was exposed to a lot of really great music and I had some incredible, uh, music teachers, as it turned out, as it turns out, um, in the course of my schooling, which was just public schooling, but uh some amazing choir teachers and I had lots of opportunities to uh participate in music, learn music, and also to um share the music that I'd written in settings like plays and theater and whatnot in high school and Then I got married fairly young, and I was very involved in youth ministry in a church, hmm. doing music and whatnot and um I just kind of, there's a fork in the road that came and I could have gone a lot of different ways, but I, I chose to go try to do mm-hmm. my music professionally. And fortunately my wife uh, will be, have been married 47 years and in, in a week. wow! Congratulations. Uh, the joke in our family was, was always that she had a real job <laughs> uh, and fortunately she did. Um, I mean, early on, I, I did a lot of commercial music. I wrote a lot of uh, jingles and soundtrack stuff which really I cut my chops in the studio mm. and also just cut my chops period on how to produce and record. Um uh, but I I was really fortunate uh to um I, you know I released my own music. I had my own little studio, my own little home studio that I put together with another friend. And uh and then early on I got involved with a company called Sparrow Records and they distributed my music mm-hmm. and Uh, Then I got involved with Wyndham Hill and Hearts of Space. And I've I've had some amazing musical mentors in the industry over the years that have really supported and encouraged me. And so I've always had my own label. And so I've always released my music. And going back to what I said at the beginning, I've always expressed myself in that music. And I've had the chance to do that over these past 45 years or so. Wow.
0: Well, let me ask a question about that, because that's the the going without a label is a relatively modern thing in the last decade, I'd say, mm-hmm. since uh, you know, since since labels have what what's the term? Dis dis disambiguated. They've they disintermediated, right? So they, we've, we, we don't have to go to the labels anymore.
2: Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> the English degree, like I said, huh?
2: Yeah, yeah, uh, that's
1: really good.
0: But yeah, so so you but you've been doing that for for decades. Um I
1: have, yeah, I have. It's weird really to unique. think about yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's been times where I've, like I mentioned with Sparrow, I, I my label was distributed by a major label. There's been times, many times, that um, the work that I did with Irish flutist Brian Dunning, uh, a lot of our music was licensed to like Wyndham Hill and yeah. to Hearts of Space, but we always retain the ownership. But we we created it and then it got licensed. Okay. So okay. there's always been um, uh, a presumption on my part, and to make my own music on my own label and then kind of see what happens after that. Um, And uh, I don't know, it's just the way I've, I started doing it and that's the way I've continued to do it. And, And you're right. I mean, there's a lot of people that's kind of like, the modus operandi now of, of yeah. the way you have to do music um yeah and yeah. Uh, i
0: mean i mean we think it was, wasn't uh justin bieber discovered that way even like on youtube or i, I don't uh, know i mean MySpace but i wouldn't be surprised
1: like... i mean a lot of people a lot of people yeah. that's the way it goes now and then they get involved still there are still labels yeah but it's it's a completely different ball game now
0: well there's um so i i, I will say so so my experience with your music was was sort of Uh, I I think there have been periods of your music. And so the nineties is when I got into, and that was the Wyndham Hill hearts of space. I think when that really started, I remember the Celtic Christmas albums that you were on that I bought specifically because I knew you had a song on it. And then I ended Mm. up loving a bunch of the other songs on that too. Um, In in the nineties, one of the things that that I I feel like it started then and correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm just, I'm just speaking as an observer. What was was you started writing the music that was specifically inspired by uh, Stephen Lawhead's books and yeah and as an aside real fast i just want to tell everybody since i haven't done this and i have to be the marketer here uh in our book club in uh the slash members which you can get by becoming a member uh at the slash member we are reading taliesin by stephen lawhead and jeff has written music based on many of of his books so if you want to become a member and we can talk about that there too, but I'm sure, uh, although I think these are the books that you didn't write music about. <laughs> so we're, we're,
2: no, the, we're, the, the,
0: that was the, before your the time. the interesting
1: thing with Steve in, um, um, I mentioned to you before our, our conversation on recorded here that my wife and I are very good, you know, Steven, his wife, Alice are really good friends of ours now, but, um, we met at the, in the, in the late eighties and, uh, I won't, I won't go into the whole story, but, um, uh Alice was very protective of Steve uh, because Steve tends to draw interesting people sometimes that wanted to contact him. And so when I reached out through his publisher line publishing, um, you know, there's a little reticence, but as soon as we got together, everything kind of hmm took off from there but so, so the so the first book was the first book of the song of albion mm-hmm. trilogy which was the paradise war and brian and i um the, it was actually the publisher's idea line publishing at the time they mm-hmm. had I, I had done a children's book for them called the tale of Three trees which was um, a musical version of that a book they had and they said have you ever thought about doing um a soundtrack like say for a fantasy fantasy book or something and I said, yeah, that sounds really intriguing to me. And who do you have in mind? And they said, Steve Watt. And I said, well, I've heard of Steve's books. Um, I've never read any of them. Um, I remember Steve when he was a um, reviewer at Campus Life magazine, uh, he used hmm. to review music at Campus Like amazing, So anyway, we met and we started and... and when Wait, wait we first so did met... you
0: meet because he was reviewing music and you were you were confronting him about his recent review of...
1: No, I don't think Steve ever <laughs> reviewed my music uh, at Campus Somebody else, Campus Life, okay. somebody else did. But when we first met, um, we're talking about this possibility. And um, he said, well, who do you have in mind to work on this? This is, would have to be kind of a Celtic thing, wouldn't it? And I said, oh, well, I've just started working with a guy named Brian Dunning. And Brian, mm. Steve and Alice went, Brian Dunning? I mean, you mean the Brian Dunning and Night Noise? And um, I said, Yeah. And I, they said, Oh, wow, that sounds cool. So, anyway, that's how that was really how Brian and I first started working. We had done a couple things. But um, so we started this journey of uh, that ended up being quite a long one where Brian and I did a number of um, soundtracks to Steve's books. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. We did the Albion trilogy, we did Byzantium, we did Patrick. We did Irlandia. We did the King Raven books. And uh, that was a really rich uh, rich collaboration. And like I said, Steve, is, Steve and Alice are really good friends. It's
0: an interesting thing because you are the, sort of the soundtrack to many of his books. It's the soundtrack without, without the film, right? And, and sadly, The Daily Wire is, is making this here. And, and I don't know. I'm always hoping you'll be involved. But The Daily Wire is <laughs> making the, Pen, the Pendragon series right now. We're yeah. filming it actually yeah. right now in Europe. Uh, and so I want to ask because, um, I I went through and I found this quote, um, from you in an uh, article in Patheos, which, uh, if I remember, I'll link below too. Um, and I think it reflects a lot on how you approach music and how Tolkien approached writing and fairy stories, um, in that, right. As we read in on fairy stories for Tolkien, um, the fantasy story, the fairy story, had a unique place in art because it revealed what, what he said. It reels, reveals the real truth, capital T truth, eternal truth, right? Because it, it, there, it, 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 the the chinks of the universe shine brightly behind it. And so you can see these glimpses of light and he called those things eucatastrophe, the unexpected joyous okay. turn. Right. Um, but part of that is in order to get to that, you have to have escape, recovery and consolation, escape, escape from from escape into a place that is completely different, that gives you a freshness of vision, uh, and I found this quote where you, you talk about that in a way, uh, and I'll, I'll read this to you and, and if it's wrong at all, let me know maybe, maybe you know, journalist I, I probably won't remember it, <laughs> <laughs> but, but here's, here's what you said. Uh, this, he wrote, you wrote, you, you said as an artist portraying wonder is an insatiable goal of mine to experience wonder is to jump off the quote, merry-go-round of day-to-day living in order to stop, look, listen, and consider the fact that there is something greater, a more enduring story that ex- exists beyond our own little world. Uh, that 's the first half that is really really close to what Tolkien would write right it, it, to experience wonder, you catastrophe, to have a freshness of vision right he, he makes the point in on fairy stories that sometimes all it takes is is being on the other in, in, a, in a coffee sh- in a coffee room, a coffee shop that has the word coffee room on it and you 're looking at it from the other side and you see the word fock uh, <laughs> instead of coffee room but it, it totally shifts your vision to to something that you see something completely differently. Um, he wrote, to wonder is to notice the countless things going on above us, beneath us, before us, within us, and around us all of the time, and to realize the richness and potential to live a life that revels, takes joy, and lives graciously. That's why I'm drawn to music by others that leads me into wonder, and it is what I hope my music does for my own listeners. Uh, and, and the word you use there is wonder, which I, I, I feel like is very close to the whole freshness of vision, to the recovery, right? The wonder of of a of a song of of a melody that takes you to places and this was actually an argument i had with michael i said that like music offers you recovery and consolation just like i think a great fantasy story can it might not have those moments where you're creating an entire world inside your head and you want to experience it and you you know you want to find yourself in it more and more and more and you're sad when it's over whereas music it kind of i don't know it transports it it, it transports for those five minutes, 10 minutes into a place where I I, I'm not experiencing the other things of life that I have to worry about. I don't know. Talk to me about the whole idea of wonder and how that influenced uh, influences your music and how you approach it.
1: I like that quote. Uh, I'm, I'm amazed. I wrote that quote. Um, no, I really like that quote. And I, I still would completely agree with it. Um, this idea of wonder with a capital W, which is, um, it's a capital W because it doesn't come. Um, it's not a nonchalant uh, exercise. It's just something that actually you have to choose to participate in. You have to jump, mm-hmm. for instance, in the quote, you have to jump off the merry-go-round yeah. and you have to take the moment to look at whatever it is that's caught your attention closely. Uh, and then just be open, open to it. Um, I, I like that. And I've always tried to, in my music, take a person to a place where they could have the opportunity to to, to participate in that kind of thing mm. one of the things that music has the possibility of doing that i think right, um stories writing uh is it, it doesn't because a lot writing inclu- writing is made up of language music of course has a musical language but yeah. musical pieces will interact and touch people differently. And so that a person might hear a song uh, and, and kind of hear this in it and have this kind of experience. But then the person that he's listening with may, she may come and say, this is something that I got from that song. I'm talking about instrumental music primarily now. Okay. Uh, um, And and which is, which is by the way, uh, with the exception of a, of a song or two on each of these albums that had words, uh, that I did with, uh, Brian with Steve's books. Those were all instrumental recordings. Mm -hmm. Um, so you, you have this, this wonderful thing in, in music where, where you can take people somewhere and also give them the gift of being able to, um, open them up to whatever it is they find in that music. And, um, I can't be any more specific than that, but that is a really, I mean, I music has done that to me so many times and it's fantastic. You know,
0: it's like uh, that reminds me when you say you're opening yourself up and it's different for every person. Uh, I'm going to keep going back to on fairy stories here because it's so fresh in my mind. But he, he writes yeah. like when when a writer talks about a hill and and and, you know, and and uh, it's envisioned in your, ni- your mind. It's not just a hill. It's every hill you've experienced in your life and how it comes mm-hmm. together now in the story. And that's different for everybody. Right. When we listen yeah. to your music or we listen to Phil Keggy's music or something like that. Right. The experience of other music is affecting us. And so it is recreated in a way in our own head and how we experience it and our reaction to it is based on what we've listened to and what we 've seen and what we've done that that brings us to that point um,
1: yeah, we always bring our experience to whatever it is we're interacting with and and that's what that's why I think great literature um great music great art it, it what makes it great is that for most people they can come to it wherever mm-hmm. they are in their life and have this they don't necessarily even have to know what, what's behind the making of it. They don't even have to know, mm-hmm. in this case, the artist who made it. They don't, they don't have to know anything about that artist. But where they're at in their life at that given time, they can have mm-hmm. this experience that actually is an experience of richness. Uh, of, of human richness. Yeah. And, and it may even, it may even be so impactful and so important that it might actually change their life. That's, that's the thing mm-hmm. that's really amazing about the possibility of uh-huh. art, you know? So,
0: yeah, it's, it's like, that's true. You're effect- I hadn't thought of it in, the, in that way that you, you are affecting people. Uh, they don't have to know who you are. You don't have to be uh, there to be a shoulder to on. but somehow uh, the music that you write, the the, the words that you read, they have, uh, they have broken through that darkness in a way or whatever it ends up being and and shine a little bit of light that they can, that they can see things better. They can experience things more deeply.
1: Yeah. Well, this is, and this is one of the things that was, I think, challenging. This was the great challenge. This was the great puzzle to solve when we started writing music to go with Steve's stories. And that was to not be so specific that it it, it took away from the person's ability to be able to, figure it out for them to 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 experience themselves because everybody who reads uh like one of steve's stories or one of tolkien's stories they have a vision in their mind they have an idea in their mind of what that character looks like what this place looks like what this what this situation is that's in their mind that's the one problem when you have movies coming out about great books now peter jackson i'm totally with you on that
2: Totally agree. He, did, with
1: you. he yeah. did a great job. He did a great job, and I, I'm not. I will say nothing bad about it. But, but I prefer, for instance, listening to Andy Serkis write, read those stories, mm-hmm. be, uh, because he interprets these voices. He interprets these characters using his different voices, I should say. And, but yet he, but because I'm I'm listening to it, the the imagination, that pictures are still in my mind. Which yeah. which is the important which thing. so. But what I was going to say about, to get back to the point here, just real quick, Mm -hmm. is when it came to Steve's stories, and we weren't trying to portray anything. All we were trying Hmm. to do was capture the spirit of those stories, capture just kind of the essence of those stories in the music. And frankly, we wrote a lot of the music before we even assigned song names to them. Hmm. It was, it was after we wrote the music that we went, okay, this actually sounds kind of like this situation or this yeah. scene or this character, yeah. you know, we did that later. But, but the initial, the initial effort was to try to write something that had some essence of the story, uh, that, that we, that inspired us.
0: So that's the idea that, um, that the inspiration is coming from something outside of yourself is I see that in so much of your I don't know, inspiration doesn't seem like well, you're discovering music based on the things that you're experiencing is maybe the best way of putting it. So for instance, recently um, and I will say and hang my head in shame is that uh, your your more recent contemplative stuff is not my jam, so to speak. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> which is fine. But yeah. I listened to Ravenna, uh, okay. which is uh, eight, eight songs that are based on mosaics in the city of Ravenna, Italy. I believe it was mm-hmm. that um, you and Phil Keggy put together. Phil Keggy guys, if you haven't listened to Phil Keggy, he's like, what well, probably, I don't know. Many argue the preeminent guitarist of our time. So uh, he's
1: certainly one of them. That's for sure. Certainly. Yeah.
0: Uh, how do you go about? Like you, you have you have uh, Lawhead's words. You have uh, like the prayers of Saint Brendan is another one. You're inspired by the voyages that were written from from Brendan a long time ago uh, to find the Isle. The, that, yeah.
1: <coughs> the Isle of Ever Everliving, or uh, the there's different living. names yeah. for it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and and then a mosaic. So. Like, how do you write music? How are you inspired? How do you create things? Sort of, sort of in the same way that I say, like, Tolkien wrote his stories. He discovered his stories because he wrote the languages. He was into philology, right? He wanted to know where these words came from. And so the, the yeah. story sort of bubbled out of all that. In the same mm-hmm. way, your music is sort of coming out of the mosaic or Lawhead's words. And how, how, how do you, what's that process like? What is it you experience? It? Or even the, the, the Frio, uh, Frio River Canyon where you have the Frio Suite and uh, Water Sky.
1: Water Sky, yeah, um, I mean so Phil and I started we met we were mutual fans of one another for many, many years. We met at a couple youth youth specialties conferences, but we never played together and then um, a friend of mine um, was uh, he he worked with uh, Frederick Beekner and recorded mm. Frederick Beekner reading all of his books, which unfortunately have not been have not seen the light of day yet, mm. but when he, he was doing <clears throat> the book Godric. Uh, and, uh, and my friend approached both Phil and I who knew both of us and said, Hey, have you guys ever considered maybe writing a little, you know, a little instrumental piece that might go with this audio book? And, and I said, I'm game. And Phil said, he's game. So we, we, we sent, this was right, right in the beginning where we could start to send tracks back and forth. It wasn't, it wasn't like it is now, but, but we were able to send tracks back and forth and we wrote this short piece and it was really, really fun. And it turned out, Great. And, and yet it wasn't until a couple of years later that we were at a, a place called Lady Lodge, uh, which is on the Frio River. It's a Christian retreat center um, and in the hill country of Texas. And Phil was doing music. I was doing music. And uh, both of our wives were there. And we just really hit it off just personally. Hmm. And when we when we left, we said, you know, we, we really ought to do some more music together. And so we just started. I sent him a track. And he put some stuff on it. He sent it back to me, just like we had done previously. But we went back and forth. And that's how we created uh this album, Frio Sweet. And it was such a rich experience. We had no deadlines. We there was no pressure. We didn't even know we were making a re- We it wasn't until like we'd done three songs where we said to one another, Are we making a record here? And we both <laughs> said yes. So that's so we continued. So Long story short, get back to your question. We followed that up with Water Sky and another record that is one of my favorite, Cappadocia and then Ravenna, which is the most recent and Each time before we started um, i put out I put forth like a, an idea for a concept, just an idea, so mm-hmm. the first one because we met at Laity Lodge in the Frio Canyon. It it just was obvious that we would write music that kind of came from that beautiful place. And Water Sky ended up being a very similar thing. Water Sky is also uh, takes its inspiration from the Rio Canyon.
2: Yeah,
1: uh, Cappadocia was a different experience because I'd spent some time in Turkey at Cappadocia. And I threw that out there with, with Phil. and And so that's when Phil started. Yeah, Phil started picking up some of these more exotic instruments, the Middle Eastern mm. instruments. And Ravenna was the same way. I'd been to Ravenna in Italy. I was really amazed by those mosaics, and I put that forth to Phil. And so he basically just wrote the music with these things in mind. It's nothing, there was nothing specific. There was nothing, uh, it wasn't even as, as, it wasn't even as... Um, uh as deep as what brian dunning and i did with the lot hmm. stories we really were just trying to capture a mood more than anything in those in those albums we've just started a brand new record as of awesome. last week and um our our mood interestingly enough about this interview is wonder that's our mood <sighs> That's perfect. So, so that's what we're going with. I don't know where it's going to lead. We've got one song wow. all done, which is pretty cool. Uh, but um oh, man. so, but that's kind of the, and you know, again, we start if the music's not any good at, to begin with, then you're, it's not worth putting the album out in the first place. So, we start with making music that we actually both like, and then we start adding kind of art, things around it conceptually so that it actually becomes the release that it becomes. Does that make any sense?
0: Yeah, it does. Um, Yeah. As far as a non-musician or a casual, casual musician can understand that, uh, it's, do you feel like your music is more, okay, I'm going to try and preface this. I do this a lot. I don't finish sentences. So, (laughs) there are some some people uh, like I'll, I'll go since I, I know more authors than musicians in the way that you do. But there are some authors like I don't know if you've heard of Brandon Sanderson, Mistborn. He is he cannot stop writing. He will write and write and write and write and write and write and write, write. like not like yeah. eight hours a day, every day, all the time. That's yeah. and he's written tons of books that way. There are others who are like Tolkien on the other extreme, whereas they, they sort of like the story is more discovered rather than plotted and lined out and, and created mm. like that uh and then there's like i hear musicians right they'll go into a studio and they'll just try and find bits and pieces of music sure. for days and days and days and then try and create songs out of that when you yeah. create something um like, like 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 these albums with uh phil Kagi, is it a discovery process is it a is it a um a, you know a, a, a process that's set in stone that you like okay we have to be here for eight hours like how do you because so i feel you're, like your music is more of a discovery in the same way that tolkien's is but
1: yeah that's a uh, uh, that, yeah. that's a great question um Uh, And I can I can I I mean, I can tell you that different songs have different kind of experiences um, in this. But but since we're talking about the instrumental stuff that I've done with Phil and and even the stuff that I did with Brian Dunning, um, usually there's an idea. Well, there's always an idea that you're excited about. And so you put that idea down, whether, you know, you're, you're walking and you set a melody pops in your head and you, and you grab your, in this case, nowadays phone, you used to have, you used to have to <laughs> grab a little cassette recorder, but you'd grab that and you'll, you'll just sing the idea, right? So you've yeah. got it. Yeah. And then when you go into the studio, you listen to that and you start fooling with it and you you decide if it's worth pursuing. And once you, hmm. once you decide it's worth pursuing, you have to kind of give it some form. And once you have a form that's when the fun begins that's when for me the discovery process begins because hmm. being a keyboard artist a, a primarily keyboard guy and you know vocalist too but primarily keyboard uh you know the 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 palette that i have in front of me is mind boggling so so i go to certain sounds that i tend to gravitate towards and i start fooling with those i mean usually you start i mean i'll start with piano based kind of stuff but mm-hmm. and then once i have an idea that I think is good and it's, it's in a form that's presentable. I'll send that to Phil Mm. and then Phil will add his things to it. And then he'll, he will then extend it and then send all of that back to me. And then I get to participate in what he's added. And then I go back and do other things with what he's done on what I did. And it's always, it's always a process of discovery at that point, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. we're utilizing our fairly longstanding artistic sensibilities and experience of making music all these years, we're bringing that to the table every time we, we are in the studio and we're never in the studio together. We've never been to the studio together. We've he's in Nashville. I'm here. yeah. And uh, I don't think the music would be any good actually. I mean, I just don't, it, the process just really serves the making of this music by being it, in two different places.
0: It makes me think of the authors, even like the, 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 um, you know, C.S. C. Lewis, J.R. Tolkien, uh, Dorothy Sayers, right, they were part of the Inklings, which would, they would mm-hmm. go and they would read their works to each other, yeah. to talk about it. And I feel like that, you know, it's, it's, to use a way to use, too often overused term is iron sharpens iron, right? The, the, the greatest, if you're, if you're a great artist and you're, and you're showing your stuff and t- troubling as it might be, if it's unfinished, right? Sometimes it feels like, oh, I don't want to give you this thing that it is still like unfinished to me, but the feedback that you can get makes it better. And the discovery process is deeper then because you're not just digging your own hole. You're not just like uncovering your own works. You're, you're seeing how other people can see the, the, the vision that you have or the, the, the artistry that you're pursuing, I guess. It's yeah. Well, there's like...
1: anytime you collaborate with somebody, if there's no trust, you can't collaborate mm. with them. Yeah. So there's, there's right, right off the bat, um, there has to be a high level level of trust and respect for the person you're collaborating with, because you have to be willing, as I think you're describing here, you have to be willing to be critiqued as well. Yeah. Um, and, and, and Phil and I have, well, I mean, I don't think we're hard on one another, but we are, there's a certain standard that we have towards each other at, particularly after having doing, having done four plus albums. Um, and Brian and I were the same way. I mean, for those yeah. listeners, unfortunately, Brian passed away just two yeah. years ago. Um, We were very much the same way, uh, but a completely different process. Brian was an extraordinary flute player, whistle player, extraordinary musician, and he did write a lot of the music, but there came a point, because his improvisational skills were so off the charts, where he would really depend on me to produce his performances. And so he didn't have a strong opinion about it, and he would just play the thing and say, was that okay? I said, well, uh, anyway, and so it was a different process where Phil has very much a sense of what he... Is hearing in the guitar and sends me hot, not only just conceptual things, but highly rendered conceptual things, which I just kind of fine tune and mm. edit a little bit to serve the song. You know, since I'm kind yeah. of the, the 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 main producer of, the, of yeah. the song of the music we're doing.
2: Wow.
1: So anyway, yeah, it's
0: hard for somebody uh, like me who doesn't like swim in these waters at all to wrap my head around what that must be like. But it, it sounds, I mean, it's that'd be incredibly fulfilling in a way to 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 be able to produce something in, in, with, with, know, with the kind of expertise, with the kind of longstanding musicianship that a Phil Keggy and that you have together that, uh, so, I mean, I've, I've been, I think I've listened to Ravenna like six times in the last two days, just because mm. I, I find it's so much It's a really it, neat album. Yeah. It is, I'm it's wonderful to to like me. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. and I'll, I i have not I just haven't, cause I wanted to concentrate on one for, for a while before we talked and I'll, I'll listen to Cappadocia next. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's, it's such a wonderful thing. So I want to then ask about like the, and, and we'll close with this before we get into our, our, member, our members block, uh, which you can get to by going to thewondering.com slash members for $4 a month. The first month is free. <laughs> Sorry, I feel like such a salesman when I say that, but hey, it's what keeps us going. It pays, yeah. it pays the bills uh, for a uh, stream yard like this, what we're using here. I want to ask about uh, the uh, Bilbo song, the, the Road Goes Ever On. And, and what, yeah. what brought you to doing that? Uh, I think it was like eight years ago.
1: Well, that song is way more than eight years old. Um, and you know, I would ask anybody who has read those stories when he starts saying that poem or that, that traveling song, man, that is just, that's a moment in those books. If you ask me, I, I, I think that affects anybody who reads those, um, those books, but, um, But so that that it's always stuck with me, of course, ever ever since the first time I read the books and I have read the books a a few times. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And uh, I'm, you know, again, as a means of expressing myself, I put that little melody together and I would often sing that at uh, concerts and just out of the blue. I'd often sing it as a closing song, uh, almost as a blessing. Really? The problem is, is that. I can't release that. I don't have permission to release that <laughs> yeah, I that music, right. or the, I, I, it's my music. I can release but the music. I can't, can't release it yeah. with the uh, words. So I actually reached out. I have a number of friends who are fairly close to the Tolkien um,
0: estate.
1: Yeah. Estate, yeah. and you know, uh, the the answer was Jeff. We love this, but we can't let you do it because it's just too valuable of uh, his Tolkien's work is just too valuable. And I, someday when it falls out of the, when it falls out of the copyright, I will put that song out officially, but right now it's on my SoundCloud I'm not making any money from it. You can hear it. And, uh, but yeah, it's just always been, it's always been in my mind. Uh, It's, it's, it's a song that I will on the on a moment, hmm. just um, just sing that that, with people. Yeah.
0: Well, I'll I'll put it here at the, at the end of this episode so that you guys can all hear it. Cool. Um. That's interesting. I would, you know, honestly, I've had my dealings with the Tolkien estate over the last twenty five years as well for certain yeah. things. Uh, and once Christopher Tolkien sadly passed three years ago, I think it was maybe two and a half years ago now. Uh, there is a different. There's a different crowd in charge now there. So I have a Mm. feeling they might even be more open. So eh, give it a try. Who knows? I would love to see this come out and be able to be, you know, streamed on.
1: Well, um, I know, you know, two of my best friends are Jerry Root, who's a CS Lewis scholar and Malcolm Mm -hmm. Guy, who is uh, Mm. very, you know, really involved with all of that stuff. And um, yeah, I might give it another another go. But I um, mean, come
0: on, it's way better than the Rings of Power. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh boy
0: <laughs> <laughs> which is something guys we're, we're going to get into that a little bit uh in our extended membership section here um and so um <laughs> i think that's it for me here i i, I there's so much more i'd want to talk about but i'm afraid the conversation would be boring to more people because it's more like questions about your music in specifics but and, and obviously we we we've got other times, maybe we can do this again. Hey, if you're doing another album with, with, I'd love to have you on to talk about that at some point then too, that would be, that'd be great. Yeah.
1: Well, we could both talk to you. That would be great. Yeah. That'd be a lot of fun.
0: This has been great. Like the whole idea of um, artistic discovery and the discovery process and how it offers that, what, what Tolkien calls recovery, consolation escape recovery and consolation that um, there is something to art that is deeper than, uh, then, then the surface it's deeper than just the notes it's deeper than just uh, the voice like there's uh, when it all comes together Just like when a world comes together the token writes, uh, it affects us more deeply than we think and for you that mu- that your music has been that Been that to me. I mean when I when I hear the 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 uh, The opening sounds of uh, the bard and the warrior uh, the first mm. song. I can't yeah, the name of it, but like it it brings me back to a time where uh, I was younger where I was very much into even building this this uh the wandering.com and the uh the whole community we have around it and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so um uh, it's not only when you first hear it, it's like how music brings you back to a time that yeah. is um yeah. that, that 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 it creates that vision for you again. You recover that vision that you might have had then that you can now re-experience. I think more than anything else, more than smells, more than taste. It brings me back to that. So that's why, honestly, that's what I do with my kids is I'll pick two albums every vacation we go on and we will listen to those two albums exclusively so that when we listen to those songs again in the future, whether it's instrumental or whatever, I mean, sometimes it's like Newsboys, which is, you know, sure, but yeah, yeah. they love it. And so we listen to that and it brings them back to that memory. And that's what music is. It's a great idea. Yeah. And um, it's, it's such like your music has been that for, for me and for a lot of people. So thank you Hmm. for joining us here. That's really Um, cool. And I, I I hope we can do this again sometime, but we will go into the membership section. So the, again, sometimes is literally going to be like 30 seconds away, everybody. So if you want that, get, go go to the warning.com slash member, become a member. And it's a, it's free. It's $4, right? That's less than like a freaking large cup of coffee at Starbucks these (laughs) days, which everybody says, but it's really true now. Um, So we're going to jump into that. We're going to go through our, confessions from the comfy chair with jeff which he doesn't know he doesn't know anything about those yet uh but one of those questions i'm
1: worried about it (laughs) (laughs) you'll you'll
0: be you'll be fine you'll be fine we can edit it afterwards and make them even worse no i'm joking joking. so we're (laughs) gonna jump into that guys hope you join us there we'll see you on the other side
2: the road goes ever on and on down from the door where it began Now far away the road has gone And I must follow if I can If I can Pursuing it with earnest feet Until it joins some larger way Where many paths and errands meet And whither then I cannot say I cannot say The road goes ever on and on Down from the door where it began Now far away the road has gone And I must follow if I can If I can Pursuing it with earnest feet Until it joins some larger way Where many paths and errands meet And whither then I cannot say I cannot say